The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Outside of the teaching from Christ that we should love our enemies, this may be the most countercultural of the teachings that Christ offers to us. Not only should we love our enemies, we should love everyone. And to truly love, we have to put everyone before ourselves. It's a tough lesson. It's a tough thing for us to do many times because we want to be first. We want to be the best. We have the top 10 list. We want to be in the top 25 of this. You want to be listed among the 30 under 30, and you want to be important to the world. But what does the Lord tell us? What happens if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What have we really gained? But the world tells us we are called to be important. We are called to be the most important person in every room we walk into. That when we walk in, people should be like, ooh, ah, look at that person. So much so that we dress ourselves so that we can be noticed. We put our hair perfectly, those of us that have hair. We put our hair perfectly. We want to make sure that we have our makeup on perfectly. We want to make sure that we look just perfect. The reality, my brothers and sisters, is to God, you are perfect as you are. We don't have to put on a facade. We don't have to wear a mask. God knows who you are. And who we are before anything else are the sons and daughters of God created in his image and in his likeness. Before everything else we do, we have to listen to the words of our opening prayer today. We have to listen to how he calls us to love God and love our neighbor. And by putting ourselves as the servant of all, that's how we do so. In fact, as a priest, my role here as shepherd is not to be dictators, not to say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. My role as priest, my role as shepherd, as pastor, is to be a servant to the community. And that's something that sometimes we as priests don't always get right all the time. Sometimes we think that my way is best. And in fact, I've heard some priests say that my parish does what I want. In the back of my mind, first of all, I say, how'd you do that? Second of all, it's like, but that's not what it's about. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I like. It's about how we as the body of Christ grow together as one community of faith. It's not about my preferences. It's not about what I appreciate or enjoy, but it's what does the church teach us? How do we follow it? Or to put it in the old church terms, how do we say the black and do the red? As long as we are doing what the church asks us to do, there are varieties of ways to celebrate mass or varieties of ways for us to participate in our faith. Some of us are able to give more financially. Some of us are able to use our hands and our tools for the good of the church. Some of us are able to volunteer our time or our talents, let alone our treasures, to our parish. And what God is calling us to do more than anything is to listen to the gospel. Because the whole gospel message is pretty simple. Love. And to love, as we find out in the sacrament of marriage, it's all about sacrifice all about serving, that to be the servant of all, we have to recognize that God will take care of us. 
So here in our first few readings, we are so easy and so quick to tear down the righteous because how dare they think that they're better than me? Or at least that's how we look at the righteous. That they always put themselves in this way that they don't feel like anything is wrong with them. Well, they're sinners too. As I, your pastor, am a sinner. And we are called in our sinfulness to have mercy on each other, to offer each other prayers, to forgive, to be gracious, to be kind, kind-hearted and loving. Sometimes we fail. And when we fail, how do we get back up? Ultimately, it takes the gift of humility for us to recognize our sinfulness. In fact, there's a litany that I've brought up since I've been here called the Litany of Humility. It's one of the most humbling things to pray, let alone to try and read. In the Litany of Humility, there's a line that goes something like this. Lord, I pray that you prefer everyone else to me. Have those words even crossed our minds? <laughs> Normally it's, Lord, I'm the most important person today. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Take care of what I want right now, when I want it, how I want it, where I want it, right? But what does Christ tell us? To be a servant of all is to put everyone else first. In fact, my pastor that I grew up with, Father Feely, taught me this lesson really quickly when we had our parish potlucks growing up because I always noticed that he always went last in line. And I thought, but you're the priest. You always get to go first. You get to cut the line. There's no lines that a priest can't cut. And then I realized, ah, he was trying to lead by example. So you may have noticed that when we have potlucks, when we have parish functions, I refuse to go first. I always try and go towards the end. And people have point out to me, well, Father, why don't you go first? Because my role as pastor is to serve, not to be served. My role is to allow everyone else to get what they need. Now, in a self-serving way at the end, that means I can have as much as I want because, hey, I'm the last one in line. You've had your chance. That, that, that's, fat, that's fat father's thoughts. Skinny father is, I'll just take a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. But also, one of the parts of being a pastor at a parish function isn't to just sit and eat. It's to mingle. It's to talk. It's to meet parish families. And what I've learned the hard way is, if I'm sitting at a table, I only get to meet a few. But as we see today, the church is full. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to serve you all. Which means I have to go and meet you all and go to different tables and come and ask about your families. And I know the majority of your faces, but names and stories and families are probably three years away for most of you just because there's so many of us here. And that's a good problem. But it's not something that I mean as a personal affront that, oh, well, Father isn't eating and Father isn't doing this. No. It's more important for me to get to know because I can't serve until I know who it is I'm called to serve. Same way in our families. Husbands, the best way that you can love your wife is to be her servant. Wives, the best way that you can love your husbands is to be his servant. 
Now, I'm not talking about like waiting on them. That's not what I'm talking about. But to put their goods and their needs above your own to humble ourselves for the betterment of the body of Christ. That if we truly want to have a happy, long-living, lifelong marriage and a happy, long-lived life, that no matter how long we live, that life will be filled with joy if we remember we are never the most important person in the room. Even if we are the only person physically there, God is always present with us and he's always more important than us. That's important for us to remember. That if we take ourselves down a notch, and I include myself in that we, then we can begin to see things for what they're really worth. Not about what the world says things are worth, but about how God is calling us to see true worth. Everything we do in this life, everything we're given in this life is to prepare us for the life to come. But we don't have to wait until we die to live lives of joy and peace and happiness. Growing up, my motto was, and this is going to sound very pessimistic because remember, I'm a recovering pessimist. My motto was, life sucks and then you die. I know I'm not the only one that has lived that mentality. I'm not the only one that has had those words come out of their mouth. Some of you today may have that thought amongst you. You don't have to. Yes, life is difficult. Life has burdens. Life has that weight of the cross on our shoulders, but it doesn't have to be bad. In fact, when we look at the lives of the saints that we're all called to live, that life of universal call to holiness, when we look to the lives of the saints and to a life of holiness, many times the martyrs and the saints, we look at their lives and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't have to deal with that. But that means we have to take the time and look and learn and process those things. That how do we humble ourselves before our neighbor? The life of Maximilian Kolbe, St. Maximilian Kolbe comes to mind. A priest in Auschwitz that gave up his life and took the spot of a father who was on the firing squad. And he's remembered today as a martyr and a saint. One of the most humbling things I've ever done in my life was my first year as a priest. I got to go with Father Carl Janoka to Auschwitz and to Poland. And I got to be in that cell where this saint made that decision and see the wall where his life was taken from him. I think to myself, man, how many times have I played the martyr but not been the martyr? How many times have I played the woe is me card instead of the God loves me and I have been extremely blessed card. Because God does love me. And I have been extremely blessed as each and every one of us have been in our lives. But many times we have to be humble and recognize truth for truth to admit to ourselves that we have it better than any of us deserve. What is the punishment of sin? Death. Christ saves us from that. Yes, we may have our physical death, but eternal death and damnation, the Lord loves us so much that he's given us a way out. Just like he's given us a way out of sorrow. He's given us a way out of turmoil. Yes, obstacles will never fail, and they will always be there, 
But we can see those obstacles with joy, with peace, with kindness, with love, with humility, and say, how can I offer this up for another person? Growing up, the phrase that I always heard was, suck it up. You've heard that before? If things are going bad, you know what? Just suck it up, rub some dirt on it, walk it off. But the Catholic phrase isn't suck it up, offer it up. How do we offer up our sufferings for the souls in purgatory? How do we offer up our sufferings for our family members, our friends, for the conversion of someone who just does not understand how much God loves them? How do we offer up our pain and our transgressions in humility for those who do not know God? That is what we're called to do, but that takes intentionality, takes humility. It takes us realizing that the world doesn't revolve around us. And I say us because been there, done that, still there sometimes. I struggle with my ego. I struggle with walking into a room and be like, huh, I'm father, I've got a collar on, look at me. And then I realize, why did I do that? One of those, those old sayings, Father, your humanity showing. Well, how do we get our humanity to show but have the love of God shine through us? Because we can't deny our humanity because we are sinners, we are fallen, we are broken. But despite our fallenness and our brokenness, God still offers us his love. God still seeks for us to recognize in humility how great we are, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. So any blessing that we have, anything that we boast of in our lives, we are not supposed to boast of ourselves, but boast only in the cross of Christ. It's a challenge. But if we truly are seeking to be a servant, seeking to love, seeking to be last, we must put the Lord first, put our families and friends second, put everyone else third, and put ourselves at the end. Not to belittle ourselves as Martin Luther would have done, to say I'm a worm that is worth nothing, but to recognize in our humility that despite us being nothing, God still chose life. God still chooses you every moment of every day that he has given you from conception to natural death and after death. God still chooses you. God still loves you. How do we embrace that love? How do we choose Christ? And how do we humble ourselves before the Lord?